didn't record this. Um, the reactivity around neutral feelings is that we are um, uh, we're, we're tending to ignore them. We're tending to um, to just tune out. So. So, um, yeah, so, so in, in meditation, uh, we are experiencing feelings. Um, we're experiencing feelings in the body, so sensations and associated pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral feelings. Uh, the breath, the reason why the breath is such a, a great object of meditation, or one of the many reasons why it's a great object of meditation, is that it is, for most people, pretty neutral. So it's, um, you know, we can rest in it and, um, and not react around it. We, and we bring our attention to it, so we're not ignoring it. We're actually cultivating a very precise attention around the brain. Any questions? Yeah. I, did, I missed that, Daryl. The reason the breath is so important. It, it is neutral. <coughs> it's neutral. It's, you know, it, so it's, it's not like in itself. Like we can, because we, we focus on the breath and we enter into it, uh, and and it it has, we, the mind collects and calms and becomes um, more at ease. So then, where we begin to experience what are called spiritually pleasant experiences. Um, but in itself, the breath is, um, it's it's not particularly pleasant or unpleasant. And so it doesn't grab us, you know, we don't react to the breath by kind of grasping it or resisting it. Any other questions? Yeah. Can you explain a little bit more about the wedge of mindfulness and how while you're meditating you can kind of Right. <clears throat> so, um, I'll give a, an example of one of the early times when I noticed how the mind was clinging to a pleasant experience. Uh, I was on a retreat, and I was, um, uh, it was actually the first day of the retreat, and and I was watching uh, the sunset, and it was just a, a beautiful little kind of piece of country road with a birch tree uh, in the autumn, and you know the colors were beautiful, and the sky was turning different kinds of crimson and orange, and you know streaked with blue, and and. Uh, and and it, I found it just really beautiful, and 
and I was just watching it change and I and then I began to feel that it wasn't just enjoy, enjoyment because there was clinging <coughs> you know I was trying to hold on to a sunset and uh, and and you know somehow you know there was a, a, a grasping around that experience which was which is so ephemeral in its very nature and um, and so you know I began to I saw it very clearly okay there's suffering here so there's suffering so so learning to just recognize you know okay this is pleasant and then is the mind starting to cling and and bringing mindfulness to clinging because mindfulness in 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 its you know in nature in what it is is not clinging mindfulness by definition is is simply um, being aware of moment by moment experience unfolding without clinging, without resisting, without judging, without trying to change or fix something. So when we train our minds in mindfulness, we can just simply be with experience as it is, as it's changing, um, and not kind of be wanting more, 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 or not wanting to, being with unpleasant experience too, and saying, you know, just, okay, this is not pleasant, and this is what it is. You know, so, um, so, uh, when, you know, we're eating ice cream, you know, and so, Take a spoon of ice cream, you know, cold, pleasant, taste, so on, um, and just seeing it for what it is, being present for what it is, and and then and enjoying pleasant without, you know, kind of grasping. I need more. And actually, when we're grasping around. A pleasant experience we're not enjoying it you know in the moment that we're grasping it we're not enjoying it it's because it's the mind is is filled with clinging <coughs> and um, and holding and 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 we're not just relaxed you know by definition uh, clinging and craving are you know we're tightening around something, we're contracting around it. We're not relaxed, we're not open to it, we're not really present to the experience as it, as it uh, unfolds. And um, <clears throat> so, again, that sensory experience, so thoughts come up sometimes, like a thought of, you know, okay, I have to, I have to do something, I have to, um, you know, I have a task, I have a responsibility, something I need to complete. Um, and, 
and there might be a resistance, like maybe, maybe there's a, some uncertainty around how to do it. So a perception, uh, a feeling. So we don't like the feeling of uncertainty. Like I have this thing I need to write and I'm not certain about how I'm going to approach it. I feel a little incompetent around, you know, as I approach writing this, this whatever it is, this talk, this report. Uh, so I don't like that feeling of, you know, not knowing what I'm doing or feeling a little unskilled. And so I avoid it. <laughs> I keep putting it off. You know, so uh, so that's you know, there's an unpleasant feeling of confusion, uncertainty, uh, I mean, my experience is anytime I sit down to write anything, it's, it's, there, uh, there's resistance, um, like, I've got to kind of move through that, and it's unpleasant, so, um, so, uh, recognizing that's uh, an unpleasant feeling and not getting caught in it, not, not believing with it and making it somehow solid and an insurmountable block to, you know, getting, just getting started on, you know, the most important thing is to get started on writing something. That's, uh, um, I'm telling myself that as I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. <coughs> so we have to. Um, we have to recognize pleasant and unpleasant, especially in neutral, and we become more aware of it as the mind settles. So as the mind becomes quiet, you know, when, when we're in our busy lives, you know, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, just But as the mind settles, we can, I mean, it, it's still a flow of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral feelings. But we can, we can tune in a bit more. The, the, our attention becomes more refined and more subtle. And especially for our, our, our thoughts, our mental states, our, um, you know, the feelings that are arising in association with them. Um, so, you know, they're always churning in the mind, but they're more, con they become more conscious. Um, and when we don't see them, we don't realize that we're being driven by them. Right, when we don't, not, I mean, when I use the word see, what I mean is know. Uh, when we don't know them, when we don't recognize them, we don't realize that we're being driven by them. And I did a, um, I did an, uh, an in intensive study of, study and practice um, of the four foundations of mindfulness quite a few years ago. Um, and then I, I began to teach it, uh, but you know I, I began to recognize how 
you know, these these feelings, this flow of, you know, the studying the mindfulness of feelings, how, yeah, we're driven, like, you know, so, so, um, I feel an unpleasant sensation in my knee in meditation, and so I move my posture. Uh, I'm trying to find a pleasant, comfortable, easy way to be. Um, I, um, I feel a sensation of hunger, and, you know, I get up and, you know, oh, time for lunch. So, so just, you know, recognizing the, the flow of pleasant, unpleasant, like, do I really want to break what I'm doing right now? Is that, is that, uh, is that really what I want to do uh, and go make lunch? Or can I just let that subtly unpleasant sensation of hunger be there? And... Um, and kind of continue doing what I'm doing. Uh, Larry Rosenberg, uh, in his book Breath by Breath, tells a story about um, when he was meditating at the Insight Meditation Society, and um, and he was ha- he was it was a kind of a breakthrough meditation for him. You know, he was just really reached this deep, stable place of uh, presence and, you know, it was, uh, it was, and it was quite lovely. And, uh, and there was a lot of enjoyment and, um, and then, and then uh, he heard the lunch bell ring. ring. <laughs> and, and he heard the lunch bell ring. And then, you know, before he knew it, he didn't even think about it. He was breaking his posture and getting up and, and then he, yeah, look at that. Look, <laughs> look at the mind. Look at what I did. So, um, you know, we're, we're conditioned. And we, we react. So, so that's seeing the reactive mind. And it's really important also, you know, like Larry, the way he talked about it, and he's, he's, very, he's very lighthearted and uh, this beautiful teacher. And... Um, mm-hmm. You know, he laughed at himself, right? You know, he had a sense of humor about it. Like, so it's really important that around these, when we see how how the mind is uh, reacting, you know, that we that we not judge ourselves, mm-hmm. that we not say, "Oh, grasping mind, that's so terrible." <laughs> uh, it's, um, it's it's human. I mean, it's where we're evolved in a way. I mean, there's um, there's a lot of, uh, or there's some reflection and discussion now about, you know, evolution and Buddhist practice. There's a um, particular one author, an evolutionary psychologist named Robert Wright, um, who has written some interesting things. Uh, you know, we're evolved to grasp. We're evolved to, you know, to take what's good and try to, more, and even more than we need because in, in our early evolution, 
there was so much uncertainty. You know, we didn't know, you know, if, if we don't take that banana off the tree or that, that, that fruit, um, we don't know when the next one will come along. Uh, so, yeah, so let's take more, more, more. Um, but we don't live in those times. And, um, and uh, in a way, what, what these teachings are helping us to do is, is to transcend how we're programmed. Um, to, because we're not programmed. His point is, we're not programmed for happiness, happiness and peace and contentment in the sense that the Buddha talks about it, not just sensory pleasure. But we're not programmed for happiness and contentment. We're programmed for the survival of the species. Uh, and, um, and so our own um, kind of inner uh, awareness and peace and uh, development, spiritual development, uh, is not on the evolutionary agenda. So, um, so it's, uh, in a way, the Buddha talked about this process as going against the stream. Going against the stream is going against, you know, what, um, what maybe we're programmed to do and also what our society programs us to do. You know, whereas our society is a, a consumer society and we're always getting these messages more and more and more, you know, you're going to be happy if your hair, you know, is just so <laughs> perfect. Uh, you know, and plastic hair kind of shimmering. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're going to feel so good about yourself. Um, and, uh, you know, or you're going to feel so safe, you know, in this great big car, truck, you know, or you're going to feel so powerful, you'll feel good. <laughs> uh, so all of these messages that we get about happiness and unhappiness, you know, so it's going against the stream, not only in terms of our own programming, but in terms of a lot of our society's programming and, uh, and messaging. And, um, and, you know, a lot of the religious traditions that were part of societies, as imperfect as they were, and very, very imperfect, um, and, and also some of them really institutionalized a lot of harm, but there were some messages which were you know, less self-indulgent and, and, and less a sense of, you know, this whole sense of s separation of, you know, I have to me first and all of that. So, so we have to find ways, I think, to, to bring wisdom more, uh, kind of, uh, more to articulate the messages of, of wisdom and, and kindness and, um, 
and and self-restraint and you know, moderation, all these good things uh, in our world. Um, so I'm digressing, but uh, yeah, but you know, so begins here, begins here by by just noticing the reactive mind um, and um, coming back to the breath and and being present with what experiences are arising. Um, and not and not going into and seeing when reactivity is coming and coming back from that and retraining the mind. So um, So just instructions um, about how to practice with this. Um, so we rest in the breath, and then, so the attention is drawn away <coughs> by thoughts, by images, by memories, by, by thinking about past and future, and and so, initially, the, the collecting the mind around the breath just kind of begins to uh, calm all the chatter and the restless energy of the mind. And it's, it's a process. It, it really doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's a development of the mind. So it's it, like any development. It, it takes time. Um, and there are, but there are different, there are deeper patterns that, uh, that we begin to discover as the mind becomes more quiet. Um, you know, I talked about some of these habit patterns uh, yesterday in terms of, you know, like, like jealousy or, or, you know, grasping or around certain kinds of experiences or resisting certain kinds of experiences or people or um, and and so and these play out in our minds when we are sitting in meditation so when we see that our attention is drawn away and uh, and so we can keeping a kind of connection with the breath so letting the breath be that tether to the present moment so that we're not kind of drawn into the whole story of you know this reactivity, but but just turning toward the experience of it, and and seeing it unfold, feeling it unfold in the body. So or sensing it uh, unfold in the body, and 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 observing it, witnessing it unfold in the mind, we, we recognize the impermanent nature of these because you know, we get so identified with these stories, we get so identified with these reactive patterns. You know, we think, I need this, we think, I am this. We think that I, 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 can't, you know, I can't experience this because it's too, you know, it's too dangerous for me. We, so we, we get very identified with these. And so, again, with kindness and compassion, 
you know, we, we can begin to see how this is not who we are. These patterns are simply conditioned reactive patterns and, and, and as we don't, as we kind of don't let them hook us, we don't identify with them, we don't begin to, you know, hold, we don't hold on to the story that we tell ourselves about them, but we just give that space of witnessing, breathing with them, we, we directly experience their impermanent nature. Because when we don't hold them, they do move through us. You know, um, one of my favorite analogies is it's, you know, like a, if, you're, if you're on the prairies, if you've ever been on the prairies um, or any flat area, you know, you can see the, a storm coming in from a great distance. You can, you know, you can watch it and then, you know, so, and then, and then here it is, you're in the middle of it, you know, it's pouring rain and dark and then, and then it begins to pass and the, the rain becomes lighter and there's a little more light and then it's gone. And, um, and so we can experience our emotional states like that, uh, just, you know, it, it's not going to, we don't need to, uh, to do anything. Just let it be. Be the space. Be that wide open space and let it pass through. Um, it's, <clears throat> a prairie storm can be, you know, kind of fun and beautiful to be in, but you know, a, a mind storm is not usually that much fun. Uh, it's, it, is, it is suffering. Uh, somebody used the expression um, in one of the groups yesterday, uh, there's the suffering which brings more suffering, which is the grasping, and then there's the suffering which brings an end to suffering, which is the being with our experiences as they are and just allowing them to move through us. Um, and, and it brings an end to suffering because it changes our whole relationship to those states, those inner states. It changes our relationship because we deeply see into their nature. We see that they are permanent. We see that, yeah, they are suffering. We don't want to cling to them. We don't want to identify with with them. We can, we you know, we can be free, and and they're and they're not truly who we are. They're not our um, they're not our uh, essential being. You know, who we are, perhaps, could be more identified with. Although identification is is never, you know, uh, the best thing, but, but we can say we are the space. If, if we're anything, we are the space which knows. It's, it's like a, a, an openness which also knows the passing through of, um, of these experiences. So, so it, we don't need to do anything 
We don't need to be the meditator who is doing this. We simply need to be open and to surrender to the experience of being present with what is. And, um, and that sense of needing to do something, needing to fix it, needing to you know, be the agent, you know, can, can just dissipate. And trust, trust the capacity of, of mindfulness, trust the capacity of awareness to, um, to liberate what it comes in contact with. What, it, uh, what is passing through us. Could I ask you to just repeat that? Uh, trust being with awareness. Trust being with your own presence, whatever is in your Yeah, trust, trust being trust with that. presence. Without doing anything. Right, right. It's, I mean, it's just, it does, it does take a commitment to to not go into the story it does take it so so that's why what we did the the kind of practice that we did on Thursday to establish stability of mind to to establish a steadiness of attention is so key uh, because it does take a steadiness of attention to to be with changing experience and not get caught up in it so and that's, you know, that's why Buddha Dasa says, you know, two steps to this process. The first step is establish the stability of attention. The second step is to see the impermanence of everything from that space of stability. Because otherwise the mind gets lost in wanting and in resisting and in not liking and wanting to change things, wanting wanting to fix everything, so, yeah. Could you remind us the verses from the Anapanasati Sutta that were relevant to the Vedna? To the Vedna, okay, um, yeah. So, um, So th the, there are four, um, and and these and they are um, one trains oneself. I will breathe in, experiencing joy. I will be breathe out, experiencing joy. So that was. Um, it's very shorthand, right? So. The joy, which is a spiritual feeling, comes out of the calming of the body, calming of the contractions and the, the restlessness in the body. So, um, so it's a settling and a relaxing of the body, and then joy begins to come out of it. Do you know the Pali word that joy maps to there? Pity. So pity, and it's sometimes described as rapture. And rapture can actually be, 
a rather intense experience because it can can be just a kind of a, a sense of vibration, but it can also be really powerful. And uh, you know, I've been on long retreat, and and like it be, it's like the mind is saying, it's you know like enough already, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> like all of this kind of energy coming out. So it feels <coughs> a, a kind of pleasantness, but it can also begin to feel a little unpleasant. Piti, uh, actually, yes, it is the first jhana. Um, Piti, sukha. I'm not, I'm not too too clear on the teachings on jhana, what the different ones are. Uh, so the second of is um, one trains oneself. I will breathe in, experiencing pleasure. I will be breathe out, experiencing pleasure. So, so the joy becomes a more subtle experience of pleasure. Um, one trains oneself, I will breathe in, experiencing mental formation. I will breathe out, experiencing mental formation. So, <coughs> so mental formation is, um, in this context, uh, and again, you know, uh, I guess the trans- it's a translation of Vedna because, you know, all the scholars say that this second one is on feelings. Um, so... So just experiencing mental formations, just so not, so it's not pleasant or unpleasant. And then um, one trains oneself, I will breathe in calming mental formation, I will breathe out calming mental formation. So, um, so, so calming in a way is not grasping, letting go. So, yeah, so there's, you know, as I, mentioned this this is pretty bare bones you know the teaching and so uh, it's kind of digging in and and practicing with it and reading you know what other you know, teacher what teachers and scholars have have said about it but um, so so that wedge of mindfulness you know is I would say would be experiencing and, and calming mental formations and and the the joy and the pleasure help give us a base um, not to grasp after pleasant feelings and you know push away unpleasant feelings. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. So let's uh, let's sit for a few minutes, just a, a short sitting. <coughs> <coughs> 